You're listening to Not Many of You Should Become Teachers, a podcast that explores the world of K-12 education as it intersects with the Christian faith. You might call us extreme moderates. We're skeptics who try not to be cynics, who desire to see Christian educators dive deeper in their vocation. Welcome to the show. Perfect. Dave, how have you been? Riley, it has been <laughs> it has been one wild ride since we've last uh, spoken, but you know, a couple days left. We're winding down 2020, the year that um, yeah, I don't even know. I, you know, words fail me to be honest with you. Yeah, words fail is right. This uh, this is the last week, and um, there have been some moments where I'm worried about how bored I will be over Christmas break with all the restrictions and not being able to do anything. But then there are moments in my work week that I'm like, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to do nothing because this something is driving me nuts. (laughs) As I've I've said to uh, numerous colleagues and sharing with my spouse and everything, right? Is um, in one, in one sense, like so many things have been streamlined in our lives. Like, like I'm, I'm actually, doing fewer things if that makes sense on on my like my list but it feels more frantic i'm in, i'm just as busy as ever so yeah um yeah i think i think a lot of people a lot of our uh, listeners are probably feeling the same way in their in their situations yeah 100% um well dave uh the last time well i'm trying to i don't even actually remember the last time we sat down and recorded probably november but the last time you and i talked it was in a spiritual formation committee meeting and we were talking a lot about report cards which is an interesting uh well i guess assessment in general is an interesting subject when it comes to um teaching a theology course or a Bible class, and also just looking at assessment of faith and learning, kind of like how David Smith has done with uh, Beth Green and Albert Chang with the Practicing Faith Survey. So um, how about you you kick things off because you will, you actually teach a Bible-specific course, just like a number of teachers do in the high school, and you have to come up with a letter grade with percentage, if I'm not mistaken, for for your students. And how, like, your process, or what is, what is, what is a, a, a consensus on how to, for teachers to get there in the high school? Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, we're actually, we're, we're shifting away from percents and even even a letter grade, even though that does exist right now, just completed a cycle of, of assessment with reporting where we had to do that. What uh, we've done in our department, uh, which again is called a Christian Perspectives Department, which is Bible curriculum, is we've moved to a, a rubric, a, a series of grade descriptors that they sort of mirror a little bit of the BC ed stuff, but we've, ch- we've chosen our own terms just because, I don't know, that's what we've done, uh, to speak to a- around expectations, which we have in sort of a, a single grid, um, single column rubric. And that is you're meeting the expectations, or one step below that is you're approaching, or a step above that you're exceeding the expectations. And what we've done is we've We've created a fairly, uh, fairly robust description of what each of those would look like, with with a lot of sort of latitude towards how that might play out in a grade nine class or grade twelve or or what have you, or te- different teachers, different tasks. 
but at the end of the day, it comes down to those would be your four sort of, um, or of course not demonstrating, right? You're not meeting the expectation, which is very rare. And so within those, within those ranges, we've, uh, we've been sort of forced to, at this point, just peg them to a, a particular um, grade point. Um, but we're really trying to get students to think about this language, which sort of echoes, and I know, Riley, you've been um, tweeting a bunch of stuff and, and blogging <laughs> and posts, right, uh, around and, and back to the, that faith and learning and back to the uh, assessment piece, asking students about their level of investment in what we're doing, right? Um, totally. So, yeah, I mean, and just to give one, one final uh, sort of framing of this for our current time, I actually ended up turning off just for a host of reasons, largely one reason being a number of our students uh, started learning remotely by necessity or by choice. And so we had kind of this revolving door for the last bit of the semester here, Riley, of I hardly ever had the same um, same group of students in the classroom at the same time, like kids going online, kids getting sick or need to be away. And so I ended up turning off all the, both the deadlines and even the specific rubrics to things that I was doing. I said, you know what, assessment is, I'm going holistic with this. This is kind of pandemic teaching. And uh, so that's not normally how I would do it, but right. it's led to, you know what, I, I have to say, because everything's weird right now. It's led to conversations with students, interaction with students and discussions about learning and discussions about sort of the the investment that a student has in learning. We could call it progress, right? Their progress report or whatever. Um, but really trying to lean into this this language you and I've been been playing with ever since we did the the faith and learning uh, conference. Now that is cool. I I find yeah. I I didn't think too much about um like we work at the same K to twelve school, so the reopening of the hybrid learning, students um leaving the classroom, starting to learn remotely, um that can definitely throw a wrench into things, mm-hmm. especially when I think sometimes high school Bible, I guess it is to some extent treated like a mandatory elective, like it's yeah, not that'd be a um, good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um not as core of a subject it's uh, people who people it's kind of like if you know you know people might hear me say that like bible's not a core subject and it's kind of like no it's not it's kind of it's a mandatory elective it's just the way it's kind of been treated and if um, at any, least right you know, now, if any students are listening to this, they they, you know, kind of the cat out of the bag. It it's a requirement for the institution that those that our students are enrolled in, right? It's part of our core curriculum. But you're right; it's it's not. Again, I say this with fear and trepidation, knowing it's being recorded. I mean, it's it's not it's not essentially and required or being looked at beyond our school, really. Right. No. With, the exception, with the exception of this is what the school that you and I teach at Riley, in order to be a graduate of our school, the it is built in that you will be a graduate, uh, have received credit for and progressed through uh, a fairly particular and prescribed uh, curriculum uh, pertaining to theology and the Bible. Yes. And, and that makes sense. And but I think and it makes sense to 
certain stakeholders, right? Like teachers and parents. But I think a lot of students see that like not even the not even Trinity Western University, the local religious university down the road, they don't even look at our CP marks, our Bible right. marks, right? They look at everything well, else. So here, I'll just throw this, uh, you know, the odd the odd curveball like we do. One of the things I have been doing, and maybe I've said it on this podcast before, I can't I can't remember, but I've been I've been sort of steeped in 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 CP, both at uh, grade nine and grade ten level this uh, little quarter, and then I was doing grade twelve stuff before. I have actually incorporated more and more uh, a lot of the historical thinking model out of the social studies curriculum and taking that framework. And it's almost uh, for for some students who maybe have just had one particular mode or one particular way of like, here's how we approach the Bible. Here's how we, this is how we read this, this quote, sacred text. And um, they'll, they'll just have a particular, you know, hermeneutic and application right to to how bible works and then i'll just come along and say how many of you because they all have to take social studies that's a required course that they have to take and it's like hey how many of you remember remember discussion around significance like historical significance or they they, they not naturally gravitate towards the the change and the continuity and, and then i'll pick a text uh for example uh the the famous jeremiah passage of the prophet jeremiah letter to the exiles right in in chapter 29 yeah we'll actually do a historical theological political uh you know historical thinking reading and i'll have them identify a number of those those issues and have them do multiple readings of the text um we've been playing with that and then you know what i i tell them and it it's not a I view it less as a cop out and view it more as an, as an add on and an overlay is I'm saying you are learning content that we as a school and we as a Christian community value, and you're learning skills that will actually transfer right beyond the specific content of our course. Some kids get that others. It's just happening to them, but it's what we're doing. Yeah, and I I was actually hoping that you would talk about that. It is something that I remember. I think in the early days of our podcast, we had a historical thinking. Yeah, it's and probably there. Formation. Probably season one. Yeah. So I I was hoping you would bring that up because I think it's interesting. Like for let's let's just use our context. I, I'd be so curious about other contexts as well. Like. Um, and what conversations are there too. But like we have a Bible class, the Bible class by our school is required to have a mark reported out. Yeah. Um, and a lot of teachers, I don't know if this is the same in the high school because you guys have drafted up that rubric, but in a lot of conversations with teachers, I find I want to have like a good wrestling conversation with this, but sometimes the conversation dies so fast because they look at me and they say, I don't want to address a student's Christianity. I don't want to assess their spirituality. And I'm like, me neither. (laughs) When you have a social studies approach, how does that change for you? Well, what it does is it allows me almost obliquely uh, coming at it kind of from a, a, a slight angle to bring in a form of kind of like an like an academic rigor or there's a there's a paradigm right there's a there's a way of thinking and approaching this that students um for good or ill and if i wanted to put my moderately skeptical hat on it's something we're not doing enough perhaps with the text in our 
unique situation as a Christian school where we're not we're not a youth pastor, we're not doing um, you know Sunday school, and we're not parent. We're the Christian school, which allows us to actually um, play with and read the text uh, with with resources and tools that we would use in other classes. In my case, it'd be, be social studies. I would, I would suggest there would be literary ways to do this uh, as well. But I think that, I think, yeah, that the challenge may come back to how we actually view what, I mean, if, what the Bible is. And maybe um, I say this totally reverently, what are we, what are we allowed to do with it? Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I'm totally tracking. I'm nodding the whole time that you're um, t- um, mentioning the these ideas, and I can't help but think that um, that when we, uh, I loved what you said about we're not youth pastor, we're not Sunday school, we are the Christian school. So I've recognized that I think a lot of people's approach to Bible are like. Um, like Bible study videos. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with this right now media um, database, which is a fantastic resource of some really wonderful, well thought people. But what comes out of that is discussion on how this passage applies to my life. And that is a very vulnerable question. Like if we had Bloom's taxonomy of, of theological or, or like, like not, okay, maybe not theological, but spiritual formation, that is, an evaluative question where you have to dig deep into your like your your being and your feelings and you and you're going to tell your teacher that and your peers that's actually very difficult no wonder it would be be difficult to come up on whether a student is meeting expectation in that area yes big um, time and I, I yeah I think you're onto something with with bringing this into to question you know the nature of uh, say taxonomy and uh, how Bloom w- would view this and like, like thinking pedagogically about what we're doing here, right. Is um, again, just a, a little bit skeptical. I think, I think there are philosophical cross currents that we are navigating. And I think every Christian school navigates that, especially in, um, uh, you know, to, to sort of just frame us where we're at Riley. Cause I, you know, we got listeners from, from all over the place. Um, we're a low church, quasi evangelical kind, almost non-denominational context, uh, where that the, the way the way the Bible functions in our community, right, is some people see that as this is this is just um, the, 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 the man really, the manual for my life, the manual for my life, and this really is meant to be like a like a life group you know, or something like a, like a, a high school or a middle school age kind of Bible study community group, which it's not wrong. No, but I think we're, I think what, what you and I are talking here and is, is not so much at cross purposes with that. Right. I wouldn't say it's a cross purposes. I would say we're just, we're doing something that intersects with that, but, but is in a different trajectory. So then I think teachers need to, we, we need, well, not teachers, but we need to start identifying more clearly what, what a, what a target is for us to report on. Like I'm looking at, I'm looking at some of David Smith's, um, practicing faith, um, 
practices. And I'm looking at formational practices and um, intellectual practices. Now, first, practicing faith is an assessment tool that is totally self-assessed, which I think we're going to maybe get to also, which is very important in this process. But so much of, I think, what a Bible class is asking of us is, in my opinion, um, less of what is called formational. And that is like, um, so here's some examples about formational. Um, Seeking out resources that can help us mature in our faith. Reading scripture to see how it shapes our life and our school. Um, confessing and forget sharing our struggles with others confessing and forgiving there's that life group piece right mm-hmm. whereas if i look at intellectual practices um which i i really appreciate his uh or the the preamble i shouldn't keep saying david smith because i regret beth green and right the whole problem Albert Chang. yeah the research but it's Christian intellectual practices seek to disciple the mind and are directed at seeking the truth about God, the world, and ourselves. This is more than about believing the right things. It's about how our thinking, even our theological thinking, is shaped by love of truth or love of self, or sorry, if it's shaped by love of truth or love of self, pride, or humility. Um, like, I, I wonder, isn't that a more rich place to to ground our our class instead of life group? <laughs> well, the, I, Riley, I mean, there, there's a reason you and I started a podcast, man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the the uh, we're 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 speaking the same language here in, in a large sense, and my fear is, and I, and maybe fear is the wrong word, but I think I think a sense is that that may actually not be what many would articulate as maybe the most pressing need in a Christian school classroom. And I think that's problematic because we have um, probably the core driver and we've spent at least a season's worth of episodes, whether it's interviewing students or former students or practitioners uh, who recognize that there's this big elephant in the room and that's the keep the kids in the church retention model. And We've actually uh, slipped into the evangelistic mode, right? Of we actually need to. We're almost introducing students to um, to Christian practices and Christian ideas, which is not wrong. But it it doesn't it doesn't take us in the direction of intellectual formation, right? It actually it almost becomes and and I have I you know. We're coming to the end of a term here, quarter in the high school, and I've had current students who, you know, not that long ago were in different divisions of our school, yours included, right? And the loudest voices in the room, a lot of their takeaway is around repetition, which means they feel like they've heard a particular message reinforced and and, and reinforced over and over and over again. Um and I, I think that's it, to me it it fits in that evangelistic paradigm. Yeah, um, you know what I'm talking about, and and that's that for some that's good that that sticks. But I think we are to to again not use too harsh a word. I think we're I think we're forfeiting something right in our in our classrooms, what we're able to actually do. And I don't just, I don't mean this in the high school only, right? Like this is not just like, now we got to fix what happened in the lower divisions. That's not, that's not it. No, but I think the whole, 
the patterns in lower divisions are important to identify. Like I think yeah. that I this kind of comes back to our conversation where we've talked about how often guest speakers in chapel, because they don't know our context, will sometimes actually undermine the intelligence of our students. Right. And a lot of that comes from this life groupy um sort of um approach or vibe. Um and I think it's kind of interesting. Like let's go back to how I was talking uh, on how like apply like like thinking about how scripture applies to your life is a very high level question um where i think actually so much power like go to go back to your social studies piece and maybe some of the stuff that these students that are so loud saying that there's so much repetition have maybe been missing yeah. are comprehension application synthesis pieces where we can actually look at a piece of literary text like a historian and start to make connections about who god is and i didn't need to ask anybody about sin in their life and and what they're going to do about it although that has its place it's just a completely different conversation yeah i've i've gravitated i'll i'll throw this at you and see what this uh how this sounds to say maybe your middle school years any text we read any passage we deal with um anything that we listen to we'll listen to music or we'll uh we'll read something that's uh you know a non-biblical or an extra biblical text as well and I'll say, the, or, or, or we'll pick up a, a chapter of, of the Bible, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament. And I'll say, students, in your, as you're reflecting in your journal, as you're wrestling with this, here's, here's the three categories. I want you to think, what does this tell us? What does this text or source tell us about the character or the nature of God? What does this text tell us about what it means to be a human or the human experience? Right. And then thirdly, I want to bridge those two and say, what does this text, how does this text uh, showcase or demonstrate the divine interacting with the human or the hum- human humanity interacting with the divine and getting them to just do like, I've almost drilled that in my students um, to be like, what does it say about God? What does it say about humans? And how are we relating to the divine? Um, I have, I have had more, uh, well, to use a, a spiritual phrase, I've had more fruitful conversations and trajectories in my lessons just based on how a student approaches it with those three things in mind. So I don't know, it, when you hear that, what do you hear? Uh, I hear good questions, but I recognize that those questions also require some good teaching. Like, I'm Ooh. curious, like, like I love that. I think that was a very good use of the word fruitful, to be totally honest. I, I'm sure that you must have had some very good fruitful conversations because – those are like those those are good questions that are almost content neutral when it comes to um looking at whatever biblical passage you wanted to look at and then as you start to create practice like student synapses are going to start firing and they're yeah. starting to learn how to think in a certain way and i I, I, I'm curious. Okay, so my question back mm. to you would be that I am I am in my middle school context trying to get some currency, maybe not quite with the same nice repetition that you've found, but like um like for instance, I do a unit on God is like King, and mm. um and I try and just try and drill and emphasize like on the cross the different pieces of imagery that are kingly, so the crown, the the the. the 
King of the Jews sign, um, the, the purple robe, those sorts of things. And I ask a question where that is what I expect students to identify. And the amount of students that say something along the lines of like, well, Jesus is king on the cross because he dies for our sins, period. And that's it. End of story. Where like the question is like, find the imagery, look, look for this. It's, I, I'm curious, do you find that you have textbook Sunday school answers? Yes. At all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, th- great. Uh, I'm so glad you asked that because I, probably the biggest headwind that I was, uh, to you know, expanded metaphor here, the biggest headwind that I was sort of uh, sailing up into was exactly what you describe. When I did a passage, I can't even remember what I, what passage it did, probably something quite familiar. And students in in sort of rapid fire succession like it was a cacophony of noise in my room like people were animated and engaged but you know what they were doing there's a lot of noise and a lot of engagement they were regurgitating back to me and this is like day three right of a course they were regurgitating back to me uh the the prescribed answer that they they felt they had been groomed to tell to tell a bible teacher Right. <laughs> and it, and it sort of ended where you described that it was, there was a, a, a fairly neat and tidy transactional atonement reality to anything biblical and cut dried period at the end of it. And it, they, they you know, they might as well have uh, clapped their hands together and, and said, that's it. That they've covered it. Uh, that, yeah. that was my starting point. Right. Uh, to to basically say okay I've got to come at this obliquely I've got to I've got to find an angle and that's when I started grabbing things like like the historical thinking it's like I just we've got to come at this from a new angle because uh, the the rinse and repeat and regurgitate an answer that I think they think I I want to hear or that they've they've checked a box we're, we're short circuiting ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, and I I think like to just give an answer. Mm. Uh, what I, my students have learned very quickly is that they can wait for Bible class to be over. Like I I have so many students that like it. it I think another thing is we're inoculated with class discussions. Like I'm sure you oh. guys in high school can handle discussions a little bit better, but in the middle school, I'm like four students repeated this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid. Repeat. Okay, what do you want to say? You want to say? You want to? You want to say? And everyone else is just timid and hoping that that will be so. So then, okay, so. So this is where things get interesting because we've been talking about what students do, how to maybe do it a little bit more, not more interesting, but in a way that can be fruitful using some social studies, yada, yada, yada. Um, We have to put, uh, I have to put a grade at the end of the day. And do I crush this student by saying you didn't discuss, I have to put you as approaching expectations? Or can I co-assess this? How do I really get their investment, especially when these targets are sometimes kind of tough? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not expecting these students to be these amazing theologians in the same way that there's some students that struggle with math. So I'm wondering, how can I have some students maybe um, talk about like their their effort and their investment in in their attempt at what it is that they're doing in, in an authentic way so that I can report out on that. Sorry, that was kind of rambly and I went... No, but I hear you though. Like I think there's... Um, yeah, the language we use is... 
to to meet or exceed our expectation, and I'm going off the top of my head here, but to meet or exceed our expectation is a student will consistently have modeled, we have a whole bunch of verbs, they'll have modeled, they'll have engaged with, wrestled with, constructively criticized uh, the biblical teaching or the spiritual practices encountered in the course. Mm. It's kind of a paraphrase. Yeah. It is the the under the implicit in all of that is investment level. And there's an there's an intangible, it is a there's a subject there's a subjectivity to you relate as a teacher relating to and, and assessing a student on knowing where they're at with that, whether that it's not always the loudest kid in the room or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've found having having multiple multiple platforms um, for communicating because again, you know, you know where my my guilty uh, or I, I discovered where I was sort of guilty with this was I was actually assessing the ability of a kid to to do a ref, reflective thinking through writing because I would mm. always have written reflections, right? Um, well, maybe a kid just doesn't really write well. Um, yeah. am I assessing that or am I, right? Uh, and so then it's again, over to some old school, uh, uh you know, uh, differentiation, right. Uh, yeah. is how I do it. And, uh, well, that's good lately. I don't think we actually have enough conversations about that in a Bible class right, like, yeah, yeah, differentiate. in Bible. Make things approachable for for more students. Lower the floor. Bring in comprehension questions. Like lower the like like lower the anxiety by ask. Stop asking kids about like like we do, we do enough of this in chapel on how like we can like like let's just an example like we've been talking about phones and like okay yeah I'm addicted to my phone and and um. I should probably use that time to maybe like serve other people or to find different Christian practices. I should be on my phone less. Like if we keep talking about that in Bible, like no wonder it's so difficult. So lower the floor, lower the anxiety, bring it down and find ways to differentiate. And then all of a sudden, just like in regular teaching, (laughs) that's it. It's assessment. Our assessment becomes truer and fairer. Yeah. Like I, uh, you know, and I think it's safe to say in this podcast. I mean, I think we we almost have the the reverse effect of trivializing all this, and I, and I think maybe we we make it too esoteric and we spiritualize it. And we feel that yes. we feel that this is you know, um, there's a, oh man, there's such a balance between the the Moses burning bush encounter. Take off your sandals because this is holy ground. And the creative verse vis-a-vis um, the playful creativity, um, intimacy of what this stuff can be, right? Like, um, yeah, yeah, we I, we don't. Maybe we just need to treat this more like normal pedagogy. Maybe we're afraid that we're going to profane something here that is that should be sort of sacred. Well, you know what, Dave? Okay, this is interesting because well, yeah. I'm 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 in doing my master's right now, and it's in math education, right. and yeah. there is a lot of math anxiety. Yeah. And they talked about how there really isn't a lot of anxiety around other subjects, like there, like there really isn't social studies anxiety. No, you're right. But math anxiety is prevalent both in students 
and in elementary teachers. And students actually often get it from elementary teachers and parents. And you know what? I think we have maybe stumbled across the next subject that has anxiety. I think that there is – I'm sure there are teachers with Bible class anxiety. I think and so. students too. Yeah. So how could we make it a bit, like to use a Brian Zond word, earthier? Yeah, yeah. Earthy and divine. Can it be both? Well, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I'm speaking out of our own context, our own experience. uh, And the COVID year is not the year to measure this by. But I realize in the absence of a lot of human connection that has been sort of ripped apart in this course, you know, these types of things, I would love nothing better than to have the luxury, but I would actually say the essential, the necessity of retreating, like literally going on a retreat <laughs> with my uh, my Bible curriculum, my Christian perspectives colleagues to actually two things, actually get on the same page yeah. beyond just uh, you know a very quick department meeting to actually um, worship and commune with God and reflect. And do you know what I mean? Like uh, that to me is the sacred part of this. Like it's like sandals off holy ground, but also then to, to have this um, lifting of a weight or uh, having a, uh, being able to air and our, our fears, right. Or our, our, like you said, the anxiety over what it is we're doing. Maybe, maybe I'm in danger of if we do retreats and spirit, again, the over spiritualizing, but. Well, keep it monastic and then you're totally fine. (laughs) You know what? It's, it's a both and Riley, right. We're it's both of these things. It's, it's both bring the best of pedagogy and assessment to the table and don't bar those things just because it's, Oh, it's Bible class. So it's different. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. And you know what? I appreciate like, I like, obviously there's, there's collaboration to be done on every level and, and in further levels, but like seeing that at least like within your high school department, that you have those competencies that you can clearly articulate to students. Like this is what I need from you to be successful here. Cause like, I'm just thinking about my contacts in, in my division and then in divisions below me, it's everybody's doing something different. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's. So I, I think that, yeah, like we th- these discussions are onto something and um are helpful for hopefully for combating types of anxiety like that that's so good though man that you like the um see again you're bringing a connection in with another discipline another course and and math anxiety being a thing and maybe we're just afraid to name what's actually going on here or uh, or we're missed probably better said we're misdiagnosing uh what is ailing uh a lot of our a lot of our religious or bible or theological instruction uh, and it's uh, we we might be mis misna- mislabeling misapplying uh strategies to it yeah it would be nice to have a pro d on this ever so often too that professional too. development yeah
This is good. And Dave, you know what? We, we're going to have to, I, I would love to even talk more about, like we didn't even touch on, like I had a brain, whiteboard brainstorm session and made a, a digital graphic on faith and learning. We're going to have to save that for another episode. Not for another episode, yes. Yeah, yeah. We haven't even finished the report card. Wait till we start talking about faith and learning comments. So much to, oh, so much to unpack. A lot, lot to unpack. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we'll wrap it up here. Great conversation, uh, and I, you know, again, I hope that uh, as we speak into our microphones, but this is being sent out, you know, um, that some of our listeners find this to resonate with with their own experience and their own uh, honing of their own craft. As, yeah, as maybe maybe they could send me an email or like a tweet and say like, "Hi, yeah, we have to make a percentage mark for Bible yeah, too." And exactly. Yeah. Or if someone's figured it out, could they let us know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, to those of you that listen to this episode, thanks. This is a real blast. I know we're spotty in in recording, but there's a pandemic outside and it's just crazy. But this was a really good conversation. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, Riley. Again, to the listeners, if you enjoyed today, give us a good review on the podcast listener of your choice. Be sure to hit subscribe or follow uh, to be notified of any new episodes. And find us on Twitter at NotManyOfYou and online at NotManyOfYou.com. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Stay safe and Merry Christmas, y'all. I guess this is the Christmas episode. So uh, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. See you later.